0: Well, good morning, Sir Matthews. Um, today's uh, talk is on a courageous church. Now some years ago, um, I was visiting uh, a young friend of mine when we were both lads, and um, the uh, Jerry, his name was, had, um, and his family had just picked up a new poodle. Um, they lived on a, on a hill, and, a, and it was, had quite a steep slope up the drive. Um, so this young poodle, uh, when we were in the front room, was able to get quite a good view of the pavement and a little way down the road. And, uh, and as it was looking out of the window, um, it saw coming up the pavement um, an Alsatian. And the little thing... It was just a real little pup without teeth, scarpered out of the cat flap in the side door, shot up the drive, and launched itself at the Alsatian, grabbing in its mouth a big mouthful of fur. Now, given that it didn't have any teeth, it was just as well, that the Alsatian wasn't hurt, because the Alsatian gave it a contemptuous look. Shrugged it off, and they carried on up the road. Now, my question is: Was the poodle brave, or just plain stupid? So let's pray. Father, we want to ask, Lord, that uh, that your word would uh, would come alive to us this this morning and that you would save us from being hearers only in order that we would become doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, we've been doing a a mini-series of three um, talks based on the Beatitudes. Uh, The first week we did the contemplative church, uh, the thoughtful, prayerful church. In the second week, we did the Compassionate Church, the church that listens, that cares, that spends time with the hurting. And finally, this week, completing the set, we're doing the Courageous Church. Now, if you know your New Testament, you might be forgiven for questioning where we are exhorted to be courageous, because it's actually not mentioned as such in the Beatitudes, which is the passage that we're really taking all of this, uh, these three talks from. We did, of course, do the reading from Joshua. It's a very well-known quote about being strong and courageous. Um, and, of course, Joshua had very good reason to, to need it at the time. So leading uh, a people that had no leadership experience of and was needing to be not only a prime minister to, uh, the people, but also a uh, an admirable admiral, if I can get that out, or uh, or a a, um, a general to an army. Well, if you look a little harder into the Beatitudes, a little closer then courage is in fact a thread that's implied. It's a thread that's woven through the fabric of the New Testament. And it's an undercurrent, if you like, within the Beatitudes. So what is courage? Was the poodle courageous? Now, having taken a straw poll um, at a different time, um, then what we find is that everybody thinks that the book was a bit dim, and I have to say this, uh, that I agree with that, and that's our cue, really, to check out the definition of courage. So the dictionary has it um, the uh, that courage is the ability to do something that frightens us, or it can be defined as strength in the pay, face of pain or grief. Well, whichever you're preferred take on it. In either case, um, given the emotions of fear or pain or grief, we know that the easy thing to do in most situations is actually to back off, maybe to lick our wounds or maybe to hide Now, our little poodle, of course, was too young to have any appreciation of the possible consequences and therefore had no fear at all. And if you have no fear, you can't qualify as being courageous. So the poodle was just dim, really, because real courage is a superhero-free zone. Now... I don't think it's a real wild guess to say that there won't be a soul in this room who hasn't felt fearful at some time. And if asked, I doubt there's anyone who would put their hand up and say, yes, I am a brave man or I am a brave woman by nature or instinct. But we can learn courage and it's a growth issue. So we can grow into becoming more courageous. So, when we might we find ourselves needing courage? Now let's get practical, shall we? I'm going to suggest three or four broad circumstances that are taken from the passage that we've read in the Beatitudes. So, the first circumstance is when we need to oppose injustice. Verse 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So this morning, how is your appetite? We are absolutely bombarded by news of injustice or, and wrongdoing, whether we get our news from the radio, the TV, Facebook, Twitter, or esoteric websites. In order to get away from it, you really have to go somewhere with uh, there's no TV, no phone signal, and no internet connection. And given the fact that we are subjected to it day in, day out, year in, year out, it's very easy to get numb, to grow a thick skin, and let it go sailing over our heads. In fact, it's pretty difficult not to. But as followers of Jesus, is that Okay. Now, here's a challenge. Have you ever written to your daily newspaper? Have you ever protested about an injustice to your MP? Of course, you might get published. In fact, uh, one particular time I was listening to uh, late night radio, didn't have a TV in those days, um, and somebody was, um, some talking head was on, um, decrying the church and saying how the church did nothing. And I knew that that was wrong. It was certainly wrong in Reading, um, where the church supplies about 50% of most of the charitable activities in the town. Most, the, A lot of the social action is done by Christians. So I thought, they're not getting away with that. I'm going to email in, they said, email if you want to so I did it was actually quite late I sat down and I wrote my email um, and it flew off and I thought "Oh, I'm tired, I'm going to bed I can't wait up to see if they did or didn't um, publish my email So uh, the following morning, thinking absolutely nothing of it, I arrived in work and was accosted um, by a couple of people who actually had heard what I'd said and had identified me as the person who'd sent in the, the email correctly. Now, I have to say that that didn't require much courage because I was more like the poodle than anything else. So I just didn't really have enough sense to realise that it might actually happen. But it, it did, and no harm done. Although, generally, if you do realise that you might get published, it is a courage issue to put yourself out there. Um, but I'd add a very important footnote that we need to be very wise and dare I say choosy about the battles that we we actually decide to fight. But sometimes injustices happen under our, our very nose. So do we then let injustice go unchallenged? If you see a school child who's getting bullied on a bus by some teenagers, do you keep your head down or do you intervene because it's a risk? And the least that will happen is that you'll get a mouthful of abuse. Uh, needs courage, doesn't it? Or if you work for a big employer where they still have a canteen, most works canteens have gone now, but some still have them. And there's a, a man who has no social graces and seriously needs a bath, and he's being sneered at, as usual, in the works canteen, and he's sitting alone. But you know that if you go and join his table at lunch, you're going to be sneered at and avoided too. Do you go? Or how about something uh, on a more of a corporate church basis? This is a bit of a manufactured example, but bear with me. Would we as a church support ex-prisoners if that risked our reputation So it has a church level dimension and would we take that on if we knew that people were going to say well you know the sorts of people they have over in St Matthews don't you well here's another um, possible example that might need courage and that's when we need to fight evil so verse 8 blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God As the years roll on, I find myself thinking about this a lot. Another verse says that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And I want to see him. I want to be pure in heart. Some of you might know the old hymn that's rarely sung these days. It goes, eternal light, eternal light. How pure the soul must be when placed within thy searching sight, it shrinks not, but with calm delight can live and look on thee. Now, as regards evil, charity begins at home. It can be hard and painful and humbling to let the Holy Spirit shine a light on the bits of your character that still don't bear scrutiny. And yes, you guessed it, it takes courage, doesn't it? It also takes courage to fight governments and authorities on behalf of the voiceless. It takes courage to stand out and say no to an unjust war. Sometimes it needs courage to write a protesting letter against the unjust detention of prisoners of conscience, Christians being the largest group. When there's a chance that your name may end up on someone's blacklist. Is it worth it? I think so. Or how about the courage that's required when we need to bear testimony to Jesus? Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Now peacemaking comes in a variety of shapes and guises. But the aspects I feel to focus on briefly is the most important of the lot, which is peace between mankind and God. It's one job we all have is to broker the reconciliation between people and God from whom they are estranged. Now, of course, the initiative was God's through Jesus's death on a cross. But the world will never get this message if we don't tell them. It's our job to tell people of our own experience of Jesus That's why the Bible says that we all have the ministry of reconciliation. And does that take courage? Well, yeah, of course, you bet it does. But most of us worry far too much about what others think of us. Does it really matter if they think we're nuts and they laugh at us? Are we embarrassed about following Jesus? That's a fair question, isn't it? And we need courage if we end up facing persecution. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The majority of Christians to have died for their faith across 20 centuries died in the 20th century. That's partly because of world population population. But it's also partly because of the sheer numbers of countries that loathe Christianity. Open Doors have a top 10. And I recommend visiting their website, which is opendoorsuk.org. opendoorsuk.org. To quote from one web page... Over 200 million Christians around the world are persecuted because of their faith. They are beaten, killed, forcibly detained, denied education or job opportunities. Their churches and their homes are bombed and burned and their children abducted, to which I might add, forced marriages are common as well. Christians taken away from their families and married and forced to become Muslim principally. Should we be surprised? Nope. Jesus clearly warned us that Anyone who chooses to live a really godly life in him will be persecuted. Here in the UK, we meet little overt persecution at present still. But we need to realise that hostility is increasing decade on decade. And it's only a matter of time before it comes our way. Only a matter of time. Obviously, that requires courage, yet in some ways, I'm almost jealous. I say almost because it's black and white. And here at present, the pressure is really stealthy. We are leaned on little by little and we're faced with the decision. At what point do we dig our heels in and say so far and no further? And I can't answer that question for you. That's a question that we all have to face for ourselves. So let's uh, wrap this up and just give you some take home points. So I'd like to conclude with a bit of an encouragement as well. There is uh, no point in feeling compassion if it never leads to action. So my personal favourite verse is not John 3.16, it's 1 John 3.18, which says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. It is built in that courage means the courage to act. So maybe you have a burning idea that won't go away. How do you know if it's your good idea or the Holy Spirit's urging? Well, the answer is that uh, it's more likely to be the Holy Spirit's urging if it is birthed in prayer. So anything that is worthwhile and will ultimately make an impact for the kingdom must be birthed in prayer. Secondly, another little clue is that it will almost certainly spring directly from compassion because God's heart is compassionate for the helpless and the struggling, which makes a nice link, of course, to last week. Thirdly, we should expect opposition. We shouldn't be surprised one Peter tells us that don't be surprised at the trials that might come upon us and don't be dismayed if it comes some of it comes from inside the four walls of church it shouldn't but it may as long as your idea is genuinely birthed in prayer don't let it squash you god will rally people to you and supply your needs i'd like to finish with a short youtube clip um, the, the clip that's um, being shown is of a uh, young 19-year-old Millie Knight who is winning a silver medal at the recent Winter Paralympics. Now, this is a lovely parable because what you see in this clip is of the sighted guide Going down in front of this partially sighted um, uh, skier, who actually, in Millie's case, had ten percent vision—just ten percent—she's going at a phenomenal pace down an incredibly steep, sleep, if I can say it, a steep slope, um, just being guided by the voice of her sighted guide. And Jesus is our sighted guide. He's our instructor. And wherever he goes, we follow. But he goes first. He leads. He doesn't drive. And however scary things look, we know he's been there first. The key is to make sure that the lines of communication are working between him and us. And as long as we can hear and respond to Jesus' voice, we'll be just fine. And at the bottom, Millie and her sighted guide find each other and they're giving each other a hug. One day we will meet Jesus, we will see him face to face and he will say, hopefully, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear that. And he will give you a hug. And at that point, everything will have been worth it. Amen.